Welcome to The Road Less Traveled. I am your host, DB, and today's episode will be a pickup from last week's episode. Um, last episode, I described my preparation for and eventually going to prison, uh, what that day was like uh, being transferred you know, to prison, the experience, uh, the shock of it all setting in and finally like having that big moment arrive because uh, that was a two year long process. I was in jail awaiting sentencing. Uh, so I did had some time to wrap my mind around things. I did have uh, time to prepare <laughs> both mentally and physically for that. The physical uh, preparation was more like, you know, hey, I will have to take care of myself. There wasn't many, like, much I could do physically. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't work out in any significant way in jail. Uh, that's why I lost a lot of weight. I described that in previous episodes. Um, so I wasn't able to, like, do too much. I mean, you can kind of go out into the rec yard where it's a small concrete room and run in circles or do push-ups and uh, like towel workouts where you would uh, literally use like the resistance of somebody else to help do like arm curls or uh, tricep extensions, things like that, all with the towel. So uh, it's partner workout. Uh, that was something that did help me physically and also mentally train because there's... Uh, I'm, I would say I made some people that would be close to friends. Uh, I didn't maintain those friendships throughout. That wasn't something that I had uh, really planned on, at least in jail. You know, I met a lot of people, wrote down quite a few names and contact informations, but uh, I tried to contact a few, at least throughout, like dur during my stay. You're not really allowed to do any inmate to inmate conversation. So, I tried to stay in contact, like, within the system, because sometimes, you know, other people were going to get sentenced. You all had to go to the same area, more or less, which was the main prison. Like, if people had a felony charge, you were going to get sent up, and then you were going to get classified, and then you were going to go from then on out. Um, so that's where I'll pick up. It's going to be this episode is where I've classified. I am now, like, fully in prison in... Uh, that will be the pickup. But I had a weird nightmare the other night. Uh, I mean, last night. It wasn't the other night. Last night. And it was just... It sucked, dude. Because in the nightmare, I had been put back into custody. I was already, like, in the in the nightmare. I was already back in jail or prison or something. Like, I was, I was behind the wall, so to speak. I was back in. And... Like, I tried frantically to get a hold of the lawyer that I had at the time, and I was able to finally get through on one of the um, the prison phones. And in the dream, like, he picked up, and he more or less just, like, shrugged and was like, yeah, I mean, they can, they can take you back for any reason. And he just wouldn't do anything for me. He said, you know, you're stuck. And then I tried... Uh, repeatedly to get a hold of him again, which didn't work, never got through. And then I was able to call and get a hold of a different lawyer. And then they said they would be by to see me in a few months and that they would see from there if maybe I could post bail. Like that was my dream. That was my nightmare scenario. And 
it was horrible. Like I woke up in a panic. It felt so real. But I also had felt defeated in the dream. Like not being able to get through with phone calls and uh, not being able to get any sort of immediate help. I just was at a loss. So in the dream, I gave up. And that feeling is what I woke up with, like defeated. And I hate that feeling because that was the feeling that I had in prison. There was really next to nothing I could do. Like if someone, say, for example, were to attack me, I would defend myself. But that's like the extent of what I could do. And I wasn't ever worried about that per se. I was more worried about like what a a CO or a correctional officer or a caseworker or someone like within the system, I was at their mercy. Like I was at the mercy of the caseworker. If they did their job correctly, if they filed my paperwork correctly or in a timely fashion, like that completely dictated my timeline. It, I was reliant on other people to get me through the system. It was more or less a paperwork thing. And when I got to prison, after uh, the first like week or so in the fish tank, I met with a caseworker, and they said that since I was a DUI, I would my timeline would more or less be that I would go to a level, um, like a regular leveled unit. I would go out of the fish tank and I would start at I believe it was level three, and then I would hopefully only be in level three for a few months, and then I would go directly to a minimum security facility, and uh, you know, have to do whatever job they gave me from then on out. And he said that most likely I would be sent to a fire camp where the inmates were dispatched to wildland fires. So I was like, okay, cool. You know, all that tracks with what other inmates had told me while I was in jail. And the expectation was there uh, that I would hopefully get out of this, this place, prison, like this literal maximum security facility. And thankfully, uh, I think it was only like 23 days I got out of the fish tank. Um, I, during that time in the fish tank, had to shower with uh, sandwich bags on my feet because the showers themselves were covered with black mold. They were absolutely disgusting. Um, just, just the, just some of the worst conditions. Uh, you can possibly imagine like if you've seen the movie saw like imagine that bathroom that would be my shower room totally unsanitary disgusting covered in just all sorts of unknown fluids and some known some that you just don't want to think twice about and uh i thankfully i got out of the fish tank uh, we were only given showers like three or four days while we were in the fish tank and i barely had a bar of soap so it was like, because you had to use the soap that they gave you for everything while you were in the fish tank. Like that was your laundry soap in order to do your laundry. Because if, from what I'd been told, if I sent my laundry in that one, it would come back dirty and disgusting. And two, I wasn't allowed to send my laundry in because I quote unquote ran white. I was with the white race, uh, which is something that you had to claim when you first got in. Uh, you claim it with the COs or when you get classified. Uh, that's just more or less to see who you're going to be sold up with because they do keep like people with like people. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I wasn't allowed to throw my laundry in with the general population because uh, the whites did not like their clothes getting mixed with the other races. 
that that was something I was not ready for. I didn't prepare for something like that. I didn't know. So, okay, whatever. I got to hand wash my stuff. That's fine because a bunch of people are uh, fucking racist, I guess. All right. I'm just going to fall in line. Like, I'm not going to run missions. I'm not going to do anything for these people. But I'm also not going going against the grain. Like, you don't try to stand out in prison. That much I know. You get along or go along to get along kind of thing. So, okay, sure. They want me to, you know, not mix the laundry, whatever. And I got to level three. Um, it only took 20 some odd days to get there. But the second I got there, it was me and like uh, two other people. We went to this unit from the fish tank. And right when I walked in, like I was, I ran right into the, sh- the white shot collar. He walked right up to me. And he said, hi, w- welcome to the unit. Do you run white? And I said, yeah, isn't it obvious? Like I tried to, you know, kind of turn it into a question because I was just so taken aback at how forward he was. And he's like, you know, you'd be surprised. We got a lot of white guys that are trying to run black these days. And which I didn't quite like understand because I had run into um, quite a few people. Yeah, like white guys that were. I don't know, I guess gangbangers or whatever you want to call them, gangsters. And yeah, they would um, they would run white. They would associate with blacks and run in their gangs, which like that was a choice. So they claimed when they went in with classification, they listed the race as black. And so they were sold up with black people. That to me was just so weird because like to me, it didn't matter. Like who gives a fuck? White guy, black guy, whatever. But in the sense of you don't want to mix gangs, that part makes sense. Because generally speaking, like gangs are predominantly made up of the same group of people. So for that instance, like so people can more or less get along and not stab each other. I get that much. The classification thing makes sense insofar as that. But the division is something that is encouraged. Because if they keep or I mean, this day is, again, a very figurative uh, kind of generalized term. Uh, so they keep everyone divided because it keeps people placated. It keeps people docile because if we're fighting each other, we're not fighting the system or the establishment or what have you. And I brought that up to a few people because I was like, you know, I honestly, I, I don't really go for the gang thing. And. I'm not here to, you know, try to start a riot. But if you got everyone on board collectively, you could probably affect change. And I saw it in a positive way. Like during my stay um, throughout jail and prison, it was a five year term. So there were hunger strikes that happened a couple of times. There were a couple of riots. Thankfully, I wasn't part of the hunger strike or the riot, but things did come out of them. And there was some positive change from that. Um, But it's strange that, like, you had to force the hands of those in power. Like, things wouldn't get changed otherwise unless there was a massive, like, group concerted effort to make that change happen. So, I did see it happen. It was good. Um, It took a while to affect that change because after any of those incidents, it usually was followed by, uh, excuse me, yard lockdowns. But afterwards, like it was usually tied to like, I don't know, better rations for food or more, I don't know, free time or the lowering of costs of uh, commissary, things like that. 
Uh, but it did work. It did work to a degree. So anyway, let's backtrack. I just walked in. I've been asked if I am white. I have said, yes, I am white. And then the shot caller says, great. Someone will be by to check over your paperwork. Now, I'd already been told that this was going to happen when I was in jail. Um, I did speak to uh, someone. They weren't a shot caller per se, but they kind of were. They they were like the, the OG white guy for the unit uh, while I was in jail. And they'd been there long enough that everyone kind of and they'd been in enough too, like not just to jail, but they'd also been to prison, I believe two times before. So like they had some experience. So anyway, this guy, he went by Ironwood, which uh, that was not a gang handle, just happened to be, um, but for his own safety, I won't explain the reasoning. So anyway, this guy, Ironwood, he explained to me like, hey, have your paperwork. Do not say that you don't have it, like have that shit prepared and ready because they'll check it over they'll see that one you're a DUI and that'll be fine like they'll they'll realize hey you're only going to be here for a little bit you're going to go to camp my age actually helped me um because at the time when my accident happened i was 28 uh getting to prison i was around 30 so they said that um i would have to take part in the mandatory workouts which every single day when you go to yard or like outside, outside, um, you had to do a mandatory workout. Like all the whites would do, it was just, I can't remember. It was some like arbitrary amount of uh, push-ups that was like tied to some like white power type number. It was something to do with like Hitler. It was dumb. It was like you had to do 30 something whatevers. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, it's kind of like the Aryan Warriors or AW. It's like, their thing is like the first and whatever letter. I mean, it's supposed to be synonymous with like, again, more white power stuff, but any hoozle. So we, we had to do these mandatory workouts and I was cool with that because I wanted to one, pass the time two get along and three, you know, I wanted something out of it. I wanted to also just be in better shape. Like I was wasting away, not doing anything, not barely moving. So you might just do as much as you can to preserve your health for as long as you can, especially when I'm going to be giving up so many years to, well, I mean, you know, to nothing. It's just like, that's all prison is. You just wait. You just have to sit and wait and feel your life just draining away. It's, it's so useless. It's so, so sad because you can't do much. I mean, there's not really much you can do you can't you can be productive you can be positive and you can do a lot to improve yourself but it's also very limited you really have to stretch the imagination to get what you can and not lose yourself in there so i turned in my paperwork to this guy and he checked it over he saw oh hey you're you're a DUIer, so he kind of changed his tone. He said, welcome to Prisneyland. It's not nearly as uh, hard as it's been in the past. And uh, he kind of was just joking with me. He was like, you know, you're not going to be here very long. If you need anything, if you need drugs, just let me know. Don't get in debt. Don't make the race look stupid. Be there for the workouts, and that's about it. And I said, cool. Well, respectfully, 
I, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Like I'm, I'm here for you guys. If you need me, like I get where I stand if there's a riot, which I did say to this person because I wanted them to know at least that much. Like if shit goes down, like I got your back because I want you to have my back. Cause if a riot happens, they're going to just going to be going after races. They're not going to be going after individuals like that shit can happen. And that was the only thing I was slightly worried about. Because I wasn't going to provoke people to incite violence upon myself. But if it, as they say, pops off, well, fuck. I, I don't want to be caught in the middle. Shit can happen. Shit can go down. So I let them know, like, if stuff gets out of control, I understand what I have to do. I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to want to do it. But I will have to in this instance. Because, God forbid, if I was to be found out, oh, that guy didn't go in when some one of our uh, when one of our homies got jumped. Well, then they're gonna fuck me up and or kill me. So, thankfully, like I said, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. But I was up front. I said, I get that uh, there's uh, people. I guess within the race, I tried really to avoid the nonsensical, ignorant racism that was in prison. But I was like, hey, you know, I get there's people without if you need me to throw in some stuff like help out. I got you guys, Um, but I am not here to run missions. I'm not here to make a name for myself. Uh, I'm not here to double my money or stay any longer than I have to. And he was like, no, you're good. I mean. You're a little older. I know you're not trying to make a name. You're not one of the young guys trying to come up. Whatever. So it was good. Like, that was that. And then from then on, all my cellmates that I had, I was trying to also be very upfront. Like, hey, guys, I'm a DUIer. So I don't want any alcohol and or drugs stored in my cell. And there was one young fucking white dumbass kid. Like, this guy... I told straight up, like, listen, I do not want any of this shit in here. Because what you could do, people could gather up fruit, usually apples or oranges that were given um, with your lunch or your breakfast. And they would save enough of them that when they added sugar, yeast, and whatever other things they had to do, like, it would decompose and they would turn it into basically pruno, which was what they called prison wine. And Pruno, it smells insanely fruity. Like, if you're trying to batch that shit in your cell, it smells like a fucking orchard. So, like, these people are that dumb. Every NECO that walks by is going to absolutely smell that stuff. It is an extremely potent, pungent smell. So I told this kid I did not want that shit in there. And when I came back from yard one day, he motherfucker smelled all sorts of floral like apples and oranges and also like that sour mix of oh great something's rotting rotting fruit and i told him like dude what the fuck we had this conversation like i don't want to get caught with this because one i can smell it i already know what's in here so if i know then the ceos are going to know and if they catch us i don't even care if you own up to it because i'm going to have to one just expect you to do the right thing But two, like, they might not even care. They could technically charge both of us with that stuff. And so he was like, well, they asked me to hold it and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to tell them no. I'm like, they asked you to hold it, you dumbass, because they don't want to get caught. 
They're using you as a torpedo, which is the term that they used for young people that would do stupid stuff and basically sink themselves. And he was like, oh, great. But they also, you know, broke him off a little bit of meth. Uh, you know, so they, they preyed upon his addictions. They knew that he was young, impressionable, and that he also liked drugs. So they gave him that so that he would hold that alcohol for them. Now, this was in the, like the last like three weeks of me being at prison. I'd only been there for like three and a half months. And then, uh, yeah, they caught that kid. Of course they did. They came in. They shook down the entire unit. Uh, I think there was like two or three cells that had Pruno in it. Ours was one of them. And then they, obviously, they took it. They tossed our place. I, thankfully, a couple days later, I got notified by my caseworker that I was leaving for camp the next day. And that they had charged me, too. But for some odd reason, it never stuck and it never, like, followed me. It never attached itself. So I was able to go to camp. That was one of the major incidents that happened. And I was very fortunate and very thankful that that didn't collapse in on me because that could have shown up on my parole i was worried from day one that some dumb stuff like that like i wasn't gonna drink i wasn't gonna fuck up my time and yet there were other people around me that could completely sink me too so that didn't happen and then another instance where things almost got out of control was the shot caller second. This dude was like 6'4", blasted with sleeves of tattoos, like prison tat, like cool ink. Like it looked really good, but it was, you know, mostly skulls and like satanic shit, like cool whatever stuff, guns, naked girls, just all up and down his arms and everywhere. And this dude went by the name of Whitey and he was huge. Dude was like, 50 pounds heavier than me but all muscle and this guy tried to extort me it wasn't something that i was quite prepared for like i was almost confused that it was happening because he came over and asked me if i had any coffee and i was like oh yeah sure i got some coffee or whatever you know do you need some and he's like yeah i need a bag from you and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I like you can have some coffee, but I'm not giving you an entire bag. Like, when will I get it back? And he's like, I wouldn't I'm not getting you a bag back like you owe me that shit. And I was like, no, like if you're, you know, if you're going without, like, I'll help you out there. But I'm not just giving you a bag of coffee. Like, why do why would I do that? And he's like, because I fucking allow you to stay here. And I was like, What? And he's like, yeah, you killed somebody's grandma or mom. You think that shit's okay? I ought to fuck you up right now. And I was like, oh, one, I, that's not where he's coming from. Like, I, he does not give a shit. I was more confused because he was just using that as a tactic to try to get me to back down and probably to scare me, which it was kind of working, but it was predicated upon the idea. Like I knew he didn't give a shit about the person that died. This man is sociopathic right now. He's just bringing up a point. So he's saying he is allowing me to stay here. He's also not the first one in power. So he has to technically answer to the shot caller. 
a lot of this stuff is flashing through my mind while I'm also trying not to pee myself. Was I actually going to? No. Was I afraid? Yes. <laughs> I had that like buzz of energy going on where like, oh fuck, because he's at, I'm in my cell right now. The cell door is open and he is blocking my exit. That's the scenario. I'm inside a concrete room alone with nowhere to go while a 6'4", 210-pound man is blocking the exit, trying to get me to give him something. And I was like, listen, I got a question. Let's say I give you a bag of coffee now, and then the next week and the next week. What happens when I run out of money and I don't have a bag of coffee for you? And he says, well, then I'm going to fuck you up. And I was like, well, then run it. Because I'd rather you just do it now than me fucking giving you anything. And I thought he was going to kill me right then. His face like set to stone. He just kind of stared me down. And then he walked away. And I just took a few deep breaths from there. And I left. And I went and played cards at the table. I didn't bring it up to anybody. I didn't say shit. And I didn't know how it was going to go from there. I honest to God did not know how it was going to go from there. Like I stood my ground. I did my thing. But am I going to get jumped now? Like what's going to go on? And so I got my answer a couple hours later. The shot caller that had I originally met with who had checked my paperwork uh, he was also the porter of the unit, so he was mopping, and he came up to my cell and started whispering. And he was like, hey, man, a wood is never wrong. And wood is what they called white people. At least this is like a West Coast thing. I, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's predominant. Maybe it's everywhere. So they said, uh, a wood is never wrong. But in this instance, he was a little out of line, is what he said. So he wasn't wrong. He was just a little out of line. And I was like, hey, you know, I get it. You know, I'm here to help. Like I said, if he was truly without, if he needs shampoo, if he needs soap, like hygiene, I'll help out, man. But like extorting me for coffee is something else. Like I would have gladly given him some if he needed some. And so uh, the shot caller was like, nah, that's cool, man. That's cool. You said you'd help out. Uh, with some hygiene and I was like yeah like I'm not trying to make waves here or anything like that like I'm, I'm here for you guys too he's like cool we, well we need some shampoo for one of the new guys blah 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 I, I gave it to him I was like I got you guys now this was only about a month and a half in so this is like the middle of my time in prison so thankfully that all worked out and then like I said I didn't get caught with the pruno so from there I got to go to camp. Now, that is its own story. That is its own episode because that bus ride is forever long. But I do have to talk more about prison because I have to have at least a few episodes on that. This was just a very brief experience on two very close encounters. However, there will be more. There will be me describing what it's like, the daily routine, all the fun, crazy, weird stuff. Uh, but... <laughs> Those were just two little stories on what 
my time was like. So anyway, thank you for tuning into the Road Less Traveled, guys. My name is DB. Tune in with new episodes on Wednesday. Uh, I am on all major streaming services, including Amazon, Apple, iHeart, Spotify, Podbean. Uh, the list goes on. There's like five others. But anyway, thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.